It's good to see you. I know many of you had a difficult week, uh, so I just want to start off with a time of prayer. Uh, let's pray. Lord, I know this has been a tough week for many here, and a devastating week for many as they mourn the loss of NU student Jordan Hankins. In the midst of all the pain and all the questions, may you be shown to be good and loving Heavenly Father. We ask that you would comfort her family with the peace that surpasses understanding. Father, as we process grief, may we be honest and open with each other about our lives. Let you use other people to comfort and encourage us. And Lord, through it all, may you get the glory. In Christ's name, amen. As many of you know, tomorrow we celebrate... Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and last month I was reading his letter from a Birmingham jail, and it was addressed to a group of pastors who were basically telling him to calm down and let things work themselves out without stirring everyone up. What he was doing in that letter, he was confronting their indifference to injustice, and as he has famously said, put it up for you, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. King was protesting the fact that Birmingham was the most segregated city in America with its record of brutality against African Americans. If you have read anything, you know that was, uh, at that time it was also called Bombingham due to the bombing of black churches and homes. But in the letter, King also expressed his disappointment with the white church as many remained segregated and lacked conviction on embracing one another regardless of race as brothers and sisters. And unfortunately, this segregation has continued in many churches across America and creates a whole host of problems. This pastor I got to hear, uh, this past summer I got to hear Pastor Derwin Gray, who wrote the book, The High Definition Leader. In the first chapter, he tells the story of Michael Brown, who was an unarmed black teenager who was shot by a white police officer in Ferguson, Missouri. And if you remember the story, I think uh, a couple years ago, eventually a grand jury decided not to indict the police officer who, was shot, who shot Brown. And if you remember, riots ensued. Now, I want to share something with you that Derwin says, and it's not a statement of totality and doesn't include every person, but it's a good uh, statement with regard to what uh, has been going on in America, especially at that, that time and ever since. He says this, black evangelicals, and white evangelicals interpreted this situation very differently. Now, it's not talking about every single person, not everyone in this room, but across America, he's saying that uh, black evangelicals and white evangelicals interpreted the situation very differently. And he says that we will continue to interpret events like the Michael Brown shooting very differently as long as we stay segregated and in the tribal worlds of black churches and white churches. Now, I want to stop there because I know many of you are from different parts of the world and you're here in America. And if you think about your own country, perhaps in your country, there are different tensions and divisions in your country, even among Christians as we face in this country. But what we're going to talk about this morning and what I want you to know is that the worshiping church in heaven knows of no such segregation. Here is where the church is headed. Let me give you a glimpse in heaven. Revelation 7, 9 through 10. Look at this passage. 
After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So here we have the nations, or the nations are worshiping the Lord together. That is where we're headed. That's where we're going to be. All of us here believers in Jesus Christ from all across the world, we're worshiping the Lord together. Look at what Pastor Matt Chandler says. He says, men and women from every background, ethnicity, and language imaginably be gathered together to worship and praise our Savior. He says, as a man who reverse engineers to get things done, this image is burned into my imagination as something I am to think on, pray for, and work toward now. I'm convinced the multi-ethnic church has been purchased by Christ on the cross and is God's heart for his people. The idea is that if that's where we're headed, let's get there now and reverse engineer and be that worshiping multi-ethnic church now. And if you've been with our church over the last several years, we've become more multi-ethnic than ever, as many are here from all around the world and many different ethnicities and racial backgrounds, and that's great. But here's the question I want us to ask. I'm going to put it up for you. I want you to think about this for a moment. Think about this for a moment. It's the first time I've ever preached sitting down. I feel like Satan's trying to take me out. There's sickness floating around our family. I don't want to fall over or throw up in front of you. So I will sit. <laughs> For those of you who are wondering if I don't look very good, that is correct. Uh, so here's the question I want you to think about. And this morning, we're going to spend some time in Revelation 7. And then we're going to talk about this in our ethos communities later on tonight. So this Revelation 7 is the vision and the foretaste of the future, and we want to have that look at it now. So as we've been going through Revelation 7, we've seen the seals, and we've seen the judgments, and this week we come to 7, and we see a vision of believers on earth and a vision of believers in heaven. So as we go through this, we've already had the passage read, but we start with believers on earth. If you look at verses 1 all the way through verses Four, you'll see this great multitude. And the number that's listed here is 144,000 are protected and sealed on their forehead. And the sealing is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the, the Father. And the point of the seal was to show ownership. And in this context, it's protection from the wrath of God. So far, so good. But when we come to this passage, I want you to look at verses 4 through 8 at the different tribes. Have you ever met anybody who said that the 144,000 are the only true believers ever? It tends to be a cult, right? Well, here, it's probably a reference not just to all believers all time. I think it's talking about Jewish believers in the end times. That these are Jewish believers, perhaps evangelists, in the end times, who are protected and sealed from the wrath of the Father. Now, I want you to think about this. Closer to the end times, according to Romans, there's going to be a lot of Jews who are saved. It is God's heart to save the Jews and redeem them and bring them into his family. In Evanston, we are surrounded by Jews. You go to work with Jews. Many of you are neighbors with Jews. Last week, Jews are, yesterday, Jews are walking by my block on the way to synagogue. God desires to save Jews and incorporate them into the body of Christ. 
do you have a heart to share the gospel with Jews, to tell them about Jesus? Or are you scared to tell them about Christ that you don't want to offend them? God's heart is for the Jews, and he wants to make them a part of his multi-ethnic worshiping church. So that's what's going on on this earth. But let's also look at what's going on in heaven. Look at verse 9. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white, with palm branches in their hands. Here's the nations worshiping before the throne. Many from all around the world are being saved. This gospel goes out as we are all sinners, and we all need salvation through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And that is true of every single human being who's ever been created, no matter what country they are from, no matter what background, they need salvation in Jesus Christ. And they're crying out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels are standing around worshiping, and there's a sevenfold praise going on of blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, and might, all to our God forever and ever. Amen. Who are these people? Look at verse 13. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These are likely the martyrs during the tribulation who died for their faith in Jesus Christ. And they were killed. And now they are standing before the throne of, of all, every nation worshiping, which just goes to show you that not only is God going to save people from all the nations, but people from all the nations will also be persecuted for their faith in Jesus. But notice the benefits of these martyrs. If you see it in verse 15, they're worshiping before the throne. They're protected. They're not hungering anymore. There's no more thirst. The sun's not going to strike them. No scorching heat. And look at verse 17. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I want you to underline the word there, look at it there, that God will be their shepherd, and he'll guide them to springs of living water, and he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Yesterday, I was listening to Psalm 23, sung in music, and I, I, had a, I had a mini breakdown filled with tears. Have you ever had those? It was one of those uh, days where I was just thinking about the Lord as my shepherd, guiding me, protecting me. And not only does he guide and protect me, but I'm just thinking that he is also guiding and obviously the shepherd of those in heaven. But for those who are left on this earth, especially many of you who have faced a, a week like this week, uh, where some of you have lost a good friend, and there may have been a lot of tears and mourning to think that in heaven that the shepherd is wiping away all the tears from their eyes. And I believe our Father, our shepherd, does that to us now, and he cares for us now. As he'll shepherd us later, he shepherds us now. But the main thrust of Revelation 7 is this multi-ethnic of the nations worshiping before the throne. And if that's where we're headed... What does that look like for us who are here on this earth? And I continue to ask this question, what would it look like for EBF to flourish as a multi-ethnic, gospel-shaped church? 
let's just be honest. Most of you are not going to stay here long, right? You're going somewhere else. You're going to go to some other church in the future when you graduate, when you get a job, when you move, and even those who think you're going to be here for a long term, you end up moving anyway. Uh, it's, it's, it's just what happens. So don't just be asking this question of our church. What would it look like for the church you're going to be in next to flourish as a multi-ethnic gospel-shaped church? And, and the key word I want you to notice here is the word flourish. Not just be a multi-ethnic uh, church, but what does it mean to flourish as a multi-ethnic church? And I want you to know, I do not have all the answers. The elders do not have all the answers. We do not have all the answers. But I think it's healthy to ask some questions. It's healthy to ask questions and explore some possible answers as we study the word together this morning and also later on in our ethos communities. So I've, 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 I want to end here with several ways that I'm calling you to check yourself. As in, check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? Check yourself what's going on. Ask yourself some questions. And let's just think about some ways that perhaps we can check ourselves as we see what would it look like for a flourishing multi-ethnic church. And in, in, in our church now, but also in the churches that you're going to later. So let's start out with a heart check. Heart check. Here's the question. Does your heart resonate with the heart of God for the nations worshiping together now as they will worship later before the throne of God? I'm wondering if any of you are rolling your eyes this morning going, oh, what are you talking about? And I'm also wondering, check your heart. How many of you like to go to churches where everyone looks just like you? Heart check. Does your heart resonate with this vision that we have in heaven. John Bryson has this quote. He says, if you do not like a diverse church, you are going to hate heaven. If you do not like a diverse church, you are going to hate heaven. Let's go to the next one, comfort zone check. How comfortable are you discussing Issues of racial and ethnic differences in America. Maybe some of you are not very comfortable with it. Others of you are somewhat comfortable or maybe some of you are eager to do so. Because the reality is, is that what we have seen in our, in, our, in our country is that incidents keep happening over and over and over again. And I think it's important for the church to be engaging with compassion and understanding and mercy and have conversations with one another. And like I said, I know there's different tensions that may exist in your home country that you're from that are different from ours, but it's very important to, hey, let's branch out and talk to one another about what's going on and not be silent and not just let the the world uh, dictate what we must or must not feel or believe. Let's let the word uh, dictate what's true. And the next check is the worship style check. How flexible would you be to other forms of worship music, service elements, or preaching styles? I think most of you will probably say, I'd love to be a part of a multi-ethnic church as long as they don't change the music or the preaching. And and I've noticed that when uh, churches really want to flourish, and this is probably one of the most difficult parts this is probably the most, one of the most difficult. And the next check is the leadership check. 
What steps can a church intentionally make to have multi-ethnic leaders, staff, and pastors? A flourishing multi-ethnic church rises to the level of the leadership. That's part of it. You just can't be talking about a multi-ethnic church and leave the pastors and leadership and all that uh, uh, the, the same. It's, it's, it's all part of it. And the, and the next check is the patience check. This is an important one. I want to make sure everyone gets this. How patient are you with others within the church who don't see the same implications or draw the same conclusions of the details and the practices of a multi-ethnic church. And, th- and this will often come up on opinions of worship styles and music and what should it look like. But how patient are you listening to others? How patient are you engaging others on this concept of a multi-ethnic worshiping church? How patient are you? Or are you going to jump on somebody if they have the slightest slip of the tongue, if they didn't say something quite right? How patient are you with one another in these conversations? And the last one is a prayer check. Are you praying for this reality to be on earth as it is in heaven? Do you want to see this? Is this part of your heart? Is this part of your prayer? Is this something we even think about? We're like, well, we'll just wait to heaven and we'll do it there. Now, Evanston is a diverse community, and I believe that our church should represent that diversity in believers worshiping before the throne now as it will be later. Is that part of your prayer? Is that part of my prayer? And that's the way I want to end. I want to, I want to end uh, by this quote uh, from John Piper, and then I want to, to pray for us. Look at this quote from Piper. He says this. Only God can accomplish... The glorious miracle of God-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-saturated, gospel-cherishing, ethnic and racial diversity, justice, and harmony in our churches. God's going to be the one that pulls this off in our world that often has a variety of struggles and divisions. God's got to be the one that pulls this off along with his people who have the heart for this. And I I think it's important for us to uh, finish right now and go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to do this miracle uh, at Evanston Bible Fellowship. And we're not just going to finish it up here this morning. You're going to meet in your ethos ethos communities today and later in the week, and you guys are going to discuss some of these heart checks, some of these worship checks, some of these leadership checks. You're going to talk about it. What would it look like for EBF to flourish as a a multi-ethnic, gospel-saturated, worshiping church? So let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. And Lord, we ask that you would work this miracle among us like only you can. And it's got to be your miracle because we can't do it. But help us to check our hearts right now. How many of us, even in our hearts right now, are having issues, doubts, struggles, and Lord, I just ask you to speak truth to us, that you've come to save sinners, and that means all sinners, and incorporating them in the body that will worship uh, before your throne. And Lord, we just ask that you give us wisdom what that looks like now, to follow you now, to worship you now, to be about your kingdom now, to seek your face now, as we will later together. Convict us, Lord. Let us not just say, oh, there's one sermon, now we can move on. No, what, what would it look like for us to flourish as this... It's this people that you called.
to bring you glory so that we can sing together now as we will later. And we can even take communion now as we will celebrate you later. You have saved sinners from all over the earth and incorporated into the body. And may we worship together now as we will worship together later. In Christ's name, amen.